What's up, you guys? I'm Anya. And I'm Kylie. And this is Two Degrees Hotter, the postgrad podcast where we get real about life after college every Tuesday. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Two Degrees Hotter. How are we doing on this fine Tuesday? Yes. Hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday. I, we hope you all are having a great start to your week. And I mean, we're having a great start because we have a really fun guest episode for you today. Today, we got to interview Natalie Barbu, who most of you probably know from her YouTube channel or her social media following. Yeah. So Natalie is a YouTuber, Instagrammer, podcaster, the owner of We Bloom Social. She has over 250,000 followers across platforms. And we like really covered a lot of ground in this interview, a whole lot of topics. So we cover a bit about her college experience and her major and kind of the thought process around that to um, We Bloom Social and her decision to leave uh, full-time employment at a major consulting firm to growing on social and how to best do that in 2021 to her recent home buying uh, adventure because that's what she's up to right now. She just bought a fixer upper, so she's in the process of renovating it. So I feel like we really covered a whole lot of topics. You guys will definitely want to stick around for the main portion of today's episode. But before that, let's do our week in review. So for my week in review, I wanted to give you guys a sign, a cue, a call to action to reconnect with the mentors in your life because I recently reconnected with um, a previous manager of mine and then she wasn't my manager, but she's kind of just been a mentor figure for me from a past internship over these past couple of weeks. And it's always so refreshing to hear someone's thoughts from an outside perspective. Like even if you don't think there's anything major going on or you don't have any like crazy decisions to make, because I feel like that's normally when people tap their mentors is when they need advice, making a decision or changing jobs or doing something like that. But even if you don't feel like there's anything major happening in your life, just preserving those precious relationships is so important. So I sort of try to set up Um, a call, you know, like quarterly at least just to check in and make sure that I'm preserving that relationship because it is so valuable. Um, And, you know, just the questions they ask you about things that are going on are just always angles that like you would never think to approach it from. And it's just so important. So if you have any mentors in your life, this is your sign to reconnect with them. It's so important. And if you don't have mentors, definitely encourage you to kind of like look through all the channels and start forming those relationships because it really is like invaluable in my opinion. Another thing I wanted to mention this week is that I started a new book. I started The Vanishing Half, um, which has been like a bestseller um, recently, I want to say. And funny enough, I think it's a little similar to Where the Crawdads Sing, which is the last book that I read. And I didn't realize that they were similar at all, but I think they take place in like a very similar setting, like same time period, also in the deep south. Um, So I'm excited. I'm really not far in. I want to say I'm like 10 pages in right now. I like did one of those things where like you're feeling ambitious and you pick up the book to read and then you just like fall asleep. So um, I'll let you guys know how it's going. But it made me want to bring up potentially like a would you guys want like a TDH book club? Like I feel like this is something we've been, you know, bouncing around obviously would require like a good amount of coordination and like us letting you know ahead of time what book we're reading that month. And then we would just do like a bonus episode talking about it and our thoughts and everything. So yeah, let us know if that's something you'd be interested in hearing. I think it could be a fun addition to the, you know, weekly lineup. Um, And it could also just motivate all of us to read more. So let us know. Maybe we'll post a poll on our Instagram the week that this episode comes out or something. We'd love to hear your thoughts. But yeah, that's everything I got this week. What about you? Yeah. Well, 
before I get into my weekend review, I do want to circle back to um, your little chat about mentors and just say that I wholeheartedly agree. I also recently reconnected with a few mentors of mine, specifically when I was going through, you know, a lot of doubt about law school. And I talked about it a little bit in that episode. But if anything, like, I'm grateful that I had that little freak out. What am I going to do? Do I really want to be in law school? Because I got to reconnect with mentors. And now I've kind of opened that door to be able to chat with them um, on a more frequent basis. So yeah, definitely do that. But for my week in review, this is going to be like such a niche week in review. So if I have any law students listening who can feel my pain, that's great. If not, hopefully you can empathize with me. <laughs> um So for those who aren't in law school, most schools require you to take some sort of legal research and writing class in your first semester. As you can imagine, legal research and writing is kind of like its own beast. I was an English major in undergrad, and I'll tell you what, like it was the biggest learning curve to learn how to write like a lawyer. And I think it was even more so of a learning curve for me because I kind of came into it with like the, I know how to write. Like I've been doing this for four years. I know what I'm doing mindset. And like, I know how to write for newspapers. I know how to write for literary analysis. I don't know how to write for a judge. I don't know how to write an inter-office memo. Like I don't. Um, So this semester for this class that I'm taking has been really focused on research and English majors out there can sympathize. We're not really doing a lot of research. I guess you could argue that for more of like the journalistic pieces I did, there is research involved in, you know, finding parties to interview, understanding the background of the story that you're telling, but it's not like searching databases, (laughs) you know what I mean? So this was another big learning curve because I'm like, I was so used to being like given the material to write on. Like when you're in an like any sort of lit class, you're given the book, you're given the short story and you read it and then you write on it. And all the information that you need is right there. And you just have to figure out how to make the pieces work. And I'm like, oh, I could do that day in, day out, like with my eyes closed, not even think twice about it. But doing legal research is so scary because there's just, I mean, the case law out there is crazy. Like we've been a country for how long? We've had a judicial system for how long? Like There's just so many cases out there and I just feel so nervous whenever I'm doing legal research because I'm just automatically assuming that I'm either completely on the wrong track, not finding the right things, or I'm like completely missing like this entire section of the law. And like when I go to write my pieces, I'm going to have like huge gaps in my like argument because I just didn't find what I was doing. So if anyone, you know, has been doing research for a while, especially legal research, and you have any tips for me, please let me know. I've been talking with my professor and my TA just about how, you know, I've been struggling to up my confidence as a legal researcher. I really have no reason to not be confident. I've been able, like in all the assignments that we've done, at least I've been able to find the cases that I should be finding. Like I've never been so off track, but I just get myself all hyped up and I get myself all like just I just assume that I'm messing it up all the time and I really want to figure it out because a lot of my summer job is going to be legal research. A lot of being a lawyer is just doing a lot of legal research and writing. So I'm like if anything this is like the skill set that feels the most important for me to learn. So it's just a little overwhelming that I'm like I don't feel confident doing this and I need to figure out how to be confident doing it because it's all I'm going to do for like the rest of my life. So yeah, I don't know if anyone can relate to that at all or if I'm just like talking in an echo chamber right now, but that's what I've been up to. 
My only like visibility into legal research is um, in some of my classes that were like law leaning, like some of the more like ethics related classes and stuff that I took, we would have to use like, what's that website? Like it's O-Y-E-Z, O-E-A. I wish we were using a, a Westlaw Lexus type of type of vibe over here. My law students will understand because those are like the main legal databases. But yeah, it's a scary Who world. Who can out relate? There. <laughs> Who can relate? Can anyone relate? Probably not. <laughs> All right, let's move into our favorites. So my favorite for this week is classic. I'm sure you guys have been hearing about this, 12-3-30. And I'm not, like to preface, I'm not trying to lose weight, which I think this is largely like a weight loss mechanism for a lot of people. But I have just felt really cooped up because my main form of exercise in the previous months was like getting outside for a walk during lunch. And I can still do that, but we just have so much snow on the ground right now that it's honestly like not a very pleasant experience, especially when the wind chill is like below freezing. Um, So I've been trying to find something that's quick and that I can do easily. And you guys also know that I've been on a journey to like finding a workout that works for me just because I have trouble liking things. Um, And so I'm liking this right now, mostly because it's so simple and mindless because whenever I'm working out, I'm not like a really a midday workout person. I'm really, if I'm going to like change and work out, it's either first thing before I've gotten ready or like last thing before I go to bed. So I really have like so little steam in me at those points that I find it really hard to do like a very, I don't know, thought oriented workout. Like you're going to do 10 minutes of this and then five minutes of this and then this. And it's like, I know for some people they need that change. Like they need it to be exciting and dynamic or it's a boring workout to them. But I actually really like that for 12, 3, 30, that it's like you just, you know, you hit go on your treadmill and you're, you're doing that for 30 minutes. Like you can watch a YouTube video. I just, I think it's really straightforward and I like that a lot. And if you guys are like, wait, what is she talking about? Cause I haven't really explained it. Um, 12, 3, 30 <laughs> is like a treadmill workout. So you go on an incline of 12 and a speed of three for 30 minutes. And so it's not running like at all. Cause I absolutely hate running. Um, but it's pure incline. Like it's basically walking up a steep hill for 30 minutes. Um, so it's a pretty good workout. And I just feel like it's nice for me to get a sweat in. Cause I feel like I was missing that for a while. So yeah, I'd recommend if you guys have a treadmill, I'm very lucky to have one. I never really use it because I was like, oh, I don't run. Like, what am I supposed to do? But um, it's been a really good way to get some use out of it. And yeah, I'm making a little progress towards finding a workout that I actually enjoy. So yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I, so we have a treadmill too. Obviously it's collecting dust right now because we're so infatuated with the Peloton still. I haven't done 12, 3, 30 in a while, but I, I did it in the past and it honestly is like a really like straightforward. You normally get, you know, a good sweater at the very least, like you get your heart rate up. Um, and yeah, I like being able to just like watch YouTube and be active, get moving. Yeah. Um, so for my favorites, I feel like my first one is kind of lame. And if you guys haven't been able to tell, I feel like a personality trait of mine is literally like hopping on trends literally years after they were a trend. Like, I don't know why I do this. I literally got my first pair of bug boots two months ago as an example. Oh my gosh. Like, that's an extreme example. I don't know what's wrong with me, but like when a trend is happening, I'm like, absolutely not. No, no, thank you. Don't want anything to do with it. Two years after the trend is done, love it, obsessed, iconic, the moment, incredible. So my most recent example is I got a Yeti 
And I Mm -hmm. feel like specifically just like insulated beverage holders in general were like a huge thing when we started college. Like everyone had a Yeti, everyone had a Hydro Flask, like that was just the move. And I was like, nah, no thanks. It's fine. And people would be like, but it keeps your water so cold. And I was like, "Mm, don't want it. No, thank you. Now I want it. (laughs) So I got, I got like the third, I think it's the 30 ounce ounce rambler. So it's the bigger Yeti. And I got the lid that has like the straw to go on top of it. And I've just been using it as my water cup. I was using like a big mason jar for a while, but I'm a very clumsy person. And I just like knew I was really like walking on thin ice for the day that I was going to spill the whole thing everywhere. So having a lid makes me feel a lot more secure. Um, And yeah, so clearly I'm keeping up with, you know, hopping on trends after they're no longer a trend and everyone's forgotten about it and thought they died. But, you know, just trying to keep it original and funky fresh over here. Um, But since this one is kind of lame, I also wanted to mention another favorite that I have been using a ton and it's the Mighty Patch by Hero Cosmetics. Is this like a like a pimple patch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, so intriguing. I feel like I talked about it in a past episode. I've been breaking out on like my eyebrow forehead region. Why? Who knows? Not me. But it's been like very like pimple, pimple, pimple. You know how sometimes people will break out and it's just <laughs> It's been I what? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to describe it, but like when I break out, it's like I have two pimples and then they like, start to go away and two more pop up and they start like, like isolated I don't get, like, up- incidents yeah thank okay you. okay that's a better way of putting it than just pimple 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 <laughs> people are like yeah that's how acne works Kylie um but the mighty patch you put it on you're supposed to leave it on for I think six hours minimum you can leave it on for like up to 24 hours and I don't know the proper science behind it but what I experienced is that it just sucks out all the bad stuff from said pimple hmm. and makes it go away faster and it also kind of acts as a barrier i have anxiety and so that means that i pick my pimples because when i get them i'm immediately like i need you to be gone and out of my life so then i pick it and make it way worse so i like the mighty patch at the very least because when i put it on i physically can't pick (laughs) Mm -hmm. at my skin and it also is like kind of helping my skin I'm still breaking out I'm hoping that they'll go away but once I get like a really big pimple I put this on and I notice that it definitely speeds up the process and at the very least keeps me from picking my skin because I know that's so bad like the worst thing you can do for your skin is pop a pimple and I'm over here just doing it every single time I get one Mm. so need to break that habit yeah I have been very curious about pimple patches stickers whatever they're called I've never used them but where do you buy like this brand that you have I got them off Amazon they're like made out of a certain ingredient that starts with an h and I don't remember the ingredient but I do know that they're Hiram approved because if you know mm. me you know that if Hiram doesn't approve Kylie doesn't approve so they are Hiram approved they're good for your skin I have super sensitive skin I've never experienced any sort of irritation or anything like that so definitely recommend All right, let's move into our main episode topic. Let's chat with Miss Natalie Barbu. This is a really good one. Yes, so excited. All right, so moving into the main episode portion of this episode, we are so excited to welcome the iconic Natalie Barbu to Two Degrees Hotter. Hey, Natalie, how are you doing today? Hi, thanks so much for having me on. I'm doing great. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, If you guys don't know, Natalie is a YouTuber, Instagrammer, podcaster, 
the founder of WeBloom Social and a recent homeowner and puppy owner at just <laughs> 24. So we're really excited to get into all of that today. She's uh, garnered over 250,000 followers across platforms and she has a lot of really cool insight. We're actually members of Natalie's Patreon where we've been learning so much about social media. Um, so it's been really great and yeah, we're excited to have you on. I'm so excited to be here. I love doing podcasts. So thanks again. Yeah. So to start off the episode, we wanted to just give like a quick intro to you and talk a little bit about your college experience since a lot of our listeners are in college or freshly out. So most of our listeners, I'm assuming, know who you are through your social media platforms. But do you want to introduce yourself a little bit um, to people who may not have found your content yet? Yeah. So I have been on YouTube for about 10 years this year. So in June or July, I actually probably should know like the date, but (laughs) sometime in the summer I joined in 2011. Um, And so I've been doing social media for so long before it was really like a job. It really was just a hobby that I've been on social media. I've actually, I always like to say, like to put in perspective, YouTube, I've been doing YouTube like since before Instagram was even like an app. I'm like before people even joined it. So It's been a while and I started in like the beauty community, like doing makeup and fashion videos for teenagers, I guess, because we were all so young, like did not know what we were doing. Um, And then I started doing – I went to college and then I majored in engineering. I got a job out of college um, with Accenture, which is a consulting company. This entire time I was still doing YouTube. So for – all my college, most of my high school, I was still doing YouTube, even into Accenture. And I realized eventually once I was in Accenture that I eventually could quit my job pretty soon. So I really worked hard on, you know, put it, pushing out a lot of content and making sure that it was like good quality. So I was pretty much working like two full-time jobs, I like to say at that time. Um, and then I ended up leaving Accenture, doing YouTube full-time, starting my podcast, and then also starting an agency. So I always just, I never wanted to do YouTube only like that would just or even just social media only like my agency is a social media agency but I didn't want to be like an influencer and that was it like I've always wanted to do something else and not because it's not difficult or it's not like fulfilling but for me personally I've just always wanted to do something else like that's never been my dream was never to just like be an influencer and that's it you know I've always just wanted to start my own business so That's why I started the agency because over time I just realized that there's a lot that is kind of like missing in the social media world or the social media agency world. I feel like it's it's still very, very corporate and very, um, I don't know, like one one way of marketing. And so I kind of wanted to enter it kind of with the knowledge of the other side of being an influencer. So that's why I started that. And it's definitely changed and pivoted a lot, even in the only one year that it's been like running. Um, But it's been really fun. And I'm very thankful that I was able to like quit my job and do this full time because it's like the best job now. Awesome. And you guys just went through a really cool rebrand as well, which looks super cool. I know that we also mentioned that you just got a dog. So curious, how is Bambino doing? Also, we were curious to ask about his name. I actually have a beagle too. So big beagle fan but uh what's like the story behind all of that yeah so um thanks for the rebrand compliment but no my so I I had a beagle growing up and so we've always like my family has loved beagles and like everyone before you get a beagle they're like oh a beagle like have you had one before they like warn you yeah. beforehand because they're like super <laughs> they're their loud. own thing yeah very loud they like are very stubborn they love food you know so it's like 
those traits that can be like hard to have for a dog, but I love them. And we have, we, so our old beagle is named Da Vinci and then he passed away last year. And then my dog, my other dog's named Luigi. And like, we never planned for them to be like Italian dog names. It just like so happened that both of them were Italian dog names and we're not Italian. So it's not like we're Italian naming it this, but we were like, Oh my God, that's so funny. Like they're both named like after like Italian names. And so then with this one, we're like, we have to kind of keep that tradition. So we were coming up with like all sorts of names, like Italian names. It's just like none of them really stuck. And then my mom came up with Bambino, which means like child in Italian. It's like a little nickname for kids in Italian. Um, so that's – and we were like, that's so cute. So that's just how it stuck. But people are like, oh, did you know that it's like an Italian word? I'm like, yeah, that was like the point of like naming it that. So yeah, we just stuck with it for – now just because we've had our other dogs with Italian names. I love that. Um, But yeah, owning a beagle is really its own category of dog ownership for sure. They're so food motivated. It's Mm -hmm. insane. They would do anything. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So living back a little bit to your college experience, we know that you graduated from NC State with a degree in engineering. Was that um, industrial engineering? Yep. Yeah, I got a degree in industrial engineering. Awesome. Um, So can you talk a little bit about your college experience and what led you to want to pursue engineering? Yeah. um, So really, I when I was in high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I wasn't one of those people that was like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be, you know, a certain job. Like there, it was never something I like really knew what I wanted. There were I went through so many stages. I was like when I was growing up, I wanted to be an author. I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to be a surgeon. At one point, I was so far-fetched. I was like, I like wanted to do everything and I just didn't have any like passion for one specific thing. Um, And so when I was kind of entering like junior, senior year of uh, high school, when you kind of had to figure out like, hmm, like what are you going to go to school for? I really just realized like I want to eventually own my own business. I would love to own my own business one day. And I didn't want to major necessarily in business because I thought like, maybe that would, you know, I wanted to do something that made me more like well-rounded. And in my head, a business degree is like good. So probably if I were to go back, I might have switched my major, but my, both my parents were industrial engineers and I liked their career path. So I was like, okay, I feel like I can do this. It's a good degree. You don't need to go to grad school for it. Like it's, I can get a job, like a high paying job out of college with this degree. I liked math. You know, I was like good at like problem solving. So I was like, okay, I'll just do this. So it wasn't anything that I was like passionate about. It was really just like, okay, this works. Like (laughs) honestly, and like both my parents did it. So I felt like it was an easy choice for me to do. Yeah, sure. I definitely think a lot of people can relate to just feeling like they need to go with whatever path is going to get them a good job in Mm -hmm. the end. Um, But I am curious. So Anya and I both graduated with more like humanities styles degrees. I was an English major. Anya was poli-sci and environmental studies. So I'm curious what it was like being a woman in STEM, both in college and while you were working at Accenture. Yeah. So for me, because both my parents are engineers growing up, I didn't see it as like, oh, women don't go into STEM. You know, like for me, it was like my mom was in it. We were always like encouraged to go into it. So it was never like a, you're a girl. Like, are you sure you want to do that? Until I started telling people that, like when I told people, like within my family, it was very encouraged. It wasn't, there was no emphasis on like, oh, you're a girl, so I don't know if you want to do that. It was just like every like you guys should go into it. Um, but once I started telling people like, oh, yeah, I want to go to school for engineering, people were like, 
what? Like, that's weird. Like, why would you want to do that? Like, you know, it was it, – I, and I started noticing my guy friends that would say that. No one would ask them that. Everyone would be like, oh, cool. You know, and I was like, wait, what? Like, why are you saying it's so shocking for me to go into engineering but not my guy friends? People would always be like, oh, you're, you'll probably switch your major. You know, like always kind of like telling me stuff like that. And I'm like, I mean, okay, I don't think so. Um, and so once I got into engineering, I did definitely notice there was it was heavily male-dominated. There was a lot of guys in it. But my specific engineering, which was industrial, pr- probably was like 40, 60. So it wasn't like – the biggest difference, which so I never felt like, oh my gosh, I'm the only girl, but I was definitely a minority, but not like, I mean, there's some engineering fields that it's literally like one girl in the class and like 50 guys, you know? So I'm thankful that it wasn't like that because I definitely would feel a little more uncomfortable probably that way. Um, But once I was in my classes, I really didn't experience any like sexism directly towards me or anything like that. It was really when I just told people what I did. I hated that like whenever you told people that it was like they were so surprised because I was a girl and I was doing that. So I I hope that in the future it's way more normal. It's like just like you're saying any other degree, you know, so for anyone. So that's what I hope. But um, and I really want to encourage people that like if they are a girl and they are wanting to go into it, not to be discouraged because it's so male dominated, because I know a lot of girls that are like that, that like don't want to go into it because they're scared that they're going to be the only girl in their classes. And like, even if you are, so what? Um, and so that's, I'm, I'm very happy that I didn't experience any like sexism in it in my major. And then once I got to Accenture, also there, like it really wasn't that male dominated in the consulting world. Maybe if I went into like a tech role, it would be more, but I didn't notice it as much. I, I, I don't know if it was exactly 50, 50, but I definitely felt like there were so many other women there and like women leaders and people that were interviewing me, you know, so I I didn't feel it as much there, which I'm really thankful for. But I remember asking this one interviewer when she was interviewing me for the job, I was asking her, I was like, so how is it being like Accenture had won an award of like for being, I don't know, like good for females in the workplace. And so I like brought that up and I was like, okay, like how is that? Like, do you notice that at Accenture? And I remember her saying, like, it's funny because, like, 20 years ago, I would – after a meeting, I would go to the bathroom and I would be the only one there. The bathroom would be empty. And now it's, like, there's, like, a line at the bathroom because there's so many, like, females there. You know, so she kind of, like, said, like, how big of an increase it is now versus, like, 20 years ago. So I think it's cool that it's it's becoming more common and I'm, like, really thankful that I I felt that too. Yeah, that's – Awesome. That's great to hear. Uh, Funny enough, I work with a lot of engineers now and I always think to myself if there were like a field of engineering that I had to pick, it would definitely be industrial just because I feel like that like process efficiency stuff is like so satisfying, I imagine. But going back to what you mentioned about working at Accenture, we know that was it maybe like a couple of years ago now that you um, quit working full time there and started your own agency. So we're curious how did you know that that was the right path for you or did you not know? And kind of how did that process uh, work out for you mentally? So I always did want to start my own business one day, like no matter what that would be in, I just wanted to kind of be an entrepreneur. And so I had told myself in my head when I started at Accenture, I was like, I'm giving myself two years here. And that was my like two years and I want to be out, you know, like that was my goal to be out in two years. And I just, my YouTube channel started growing really quickly during while I was there and in part because I was there. So I was like so scared to quit. So I was like, people are watching me because I'm doing this and my channel's growing because of this. But 
I'm also like now able to quit because of that. So it was like such a battle in my mind of like what I should do. Um, But I was, I, I always gave myself those two years. And so as time went on, I kept shortening it. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just have one year. And then I was like, uh, okay, maybe maybe until the summer. And then <laughs> I was like, okay, I, I can't do this anymore. So I quit after nine months of being there. Um, but I, I always just wanted to start my own business. And I didn't know if it was an agency or what it was going to be. But it just started coming to me as I've been working with more and more brands over the, over the years and working with more and more agencies. I've just realized there's things that I think could be improved. And so that's how I came up with it. But I never in my head was like, oh, I'm going to start my own agency like five years ago. Like it's something that definitely happened over time and like kind of came at the right moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I actually recently had a conversation with a mentor of mine and she kind of brought up that idea that like if the doors are meant to open, they'll open as you go through life. You know what I mean? You'll always Mm -hmm. just know that a pivot is right for you because the opportunity to pivot will be there for you. And it, it wouldn't be there if it was the wrong thing for you to be doing, which I thought kind of aligns with what you were saying and is really good advice. Um, But like I said, you did make a pretty substantial career pivot. So I'm curious what advice you have to listeners who find themselves drawn to many different career paths and they're just trying to figure out which one they want to pursue. I think for people that have different interests, because I would say I'm someone that has so many different interests and I wish I could like, I tried to do them all, but like it's unrealistic to do everything. So honestly, I think it's just try everything. Like just have a try start something and if it doesn't work then it doesn't work but at least you can say you tried and you started like if you want to start a podcast for example or you want to you know do like take a lesson in something like do everything you know you can have start a podcast and if in two episodes you hate it then quit like it's fine I'm not telling people to quit everything that they do but I think everyone should try things and see what sticks and what you like or like I just randomly took like a tennis lesson because I've been interested in that. So like, you know, just take a lesson in something or watch a YouTube video or go on like Skillshare or something and like take a (laughs) class, you know, but like learn about everything, try everything, get experience in everything. I think that's the best way to honestly like see what your passion is and see what your career path should be because there's a lot of things that I've done that I'm so thankful I did it. Like I used to have an online store, for example, and I ended up closing that down and I was so embarrassed because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, it's like a failed business. And now I'm like every single successful person has like a million failures behind them or a million things that they tried and it didn't work out and that doesn't make them any less successful. So like it's good that they tried or else they wouldn't be where they are. So I, I always think of it that way as like I'm just glad I've tried so many things and tried to start so many things. And like, if most of them fail, then whatever, as, as long as I end up like where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, for sure. I think, isn't there like a cliche saying that's like, you learn way more from failing than you do from succeeding at things. Yeah, I think, it's true. <laughs> yeah. And failure is really hard to accept, but you really do end up learning so much more from your mistakes than you do from the things that you do right. And funny enough, I think, Kylie, you just joined Skillshare. I did. Yeah, I just (laughs) did. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, I got like a promo code. I forget who I was watching, but someone, you know, did a sponsorship with them. So I'm excited. I'm going to take a bunch of different courses. I'm in law school right now, so I'm kind of looking to develop like hobbies so that Mm -hmm. I'm not a law student 24-7. Yeah. So... Yeah, definitely recommend. It seems like a really cool um, platform. So you've been really vulnerable on social media. You've done a lot of videos where you share your income, you share some of your biggest business mistakes, mental health, things like that. Does that ever scare you? And why do you think it's important to be vulnerable on social media in 2021? 
Yeah, I mean, it definitely can be scary. Every time I post something that's like, I know we'll get views, but I'm like, mm, do I want to post this? You know, because it is scary because people are judging you. You know, at the end of the day, you are exposing yourself to the entire world, whether the entire world watches or not, but like you are exposing yourself to the entire world. And so there's so many judgments that come through that, you know, like there's not, you're never going to have like a, like a, everyone agrees, you know, like that's just never going to happen and you're not going to ever get like all praise or anything like that. So that no matter how well you're good or no matter how good your intentions are, there's always going to be people that don't like you and are going to make sure that you know that they don't like you or what they don't like about you. So especially with vulnerable topics, it does scare me because I'm like, oh my gosh, if I say my income, then I, you know, some people during this time don't have a high income. So am I being like, not considerate because of that or oh if I share like I don't know like any any of random feelings like I feel like sometimes I can't like complain on camera because oh well I have it so good like I have a job I have this so like I can't say anything negative you know like I I was posting about I literally just mentioned like oh I have to pay my health insurance like oh so expensive you know like just like in comment and someone comments like oh well you make six figures so you're so like blah, 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 for, for saying that you complaining about health insurance. And I'm like, I mean, I'm not saying that, I'm, you know, it's like, I'm not saying like, oh my gosh, I have it so much worse than everyone else. It was just like a comment, you know? So I, with things like that, it's like, I, I have to be really careful with what I say. And so it definitely can be scary, but I just have to remember, like at the end of the day, no one's going to agree and that's fine. No one's like going to have all praise, you know? And like, those people's opinions don't matter. You know, it's fine. Like the only opinion that matters is like yourself and the ones that are close to you. And like, that's just what you have to think about. And I think as long as my intentions are good, then those topics should be shared because they help people, you know? So I just think like, if it's helping someone, then I'm fine. Like if someone doesn't like it, then I'm sorry. But if it's helping people, then like, that's always the goal of it. So I always try to bring value with what I'm saying rather than just like being like, so much money I make. Okay, bye. You know, it's like I'm trying to like help people with like, oh, this is how you can increase your income on social media. Like this is how I did it. You know, I've been doing this for like 10 years and only after like eight years was I able to do it full time. So like here are my tips for how to do it and maybe you can do it quicker. You know, so I guess like it is scary, but I think as long as it helps people, then I'm like fine with posting it, I guess. Yeah, that's actually a really good segue because our next topic was uh, to ask you about your work making social media more accessible for small creators because I feel like that's something I really admire about you and your Patreon and all the work that you do is that like you really don't gatekeep the social media world and I feel like there are so many learning curves and like quote unquote secrets about getting started on YouTube with a podcast, with Instagram, all these things. And I feel like you've been so generous with the knowledge that you've shared. Um, so I was curious, why was it important to you to utilize platforms like Patreon and like YouTube to help small creators build their platforms? Is it, you know, something that you wish you had? What's like the motivation for you behind it? Well, thank you so much. Like that always means so much to me whenever someone's like a member or of someone, you know, like you watch my videos or, you know, so just like, thank you, first of all. Um, but also I, and I'm glad that you have like, have value from it. Cause I'm always so scared that I'm going to post something and it's like going to fall flat. Like no one's going to, people are going to be like, this is not helpful at all. So I'm always like asking for feedback and being like, okay, what do you want me to do? What, what, should, what can I improve on? Um, so for like helping people with social, it's really just because that's the way the world is going. Everyone's going th towards, I mean, it's going digitally and to social media. Like, 
all of marketing is going towards social media for the most part. People are even doing like getting jobs through social media now. Like social media is such a huge part of our world and like we can't really ignore it anymore. And there's so many people that have access to social media because it's free, you know? So it's like one of those things that it is something that so many people have access to and it brings so many opportunities. So it's not for everyone if someone doesn't want to do it, but just for the ones that do, like you can make a lot of money on it. You can have a lot of freedom with it, you know? And I think that's something that anyone has access to, then it should be shared of like, here's how to do it. So it's things that I have honestly wanted to know when I was doing it. Cause again, like I said, I've been on it for so long and like, there are so many people that have grown so much quicker than me. Like it's one of those things where it's like people that started when I did have been doing YouTube full time for like five years now, you know, and like, or hit have over a million subs, you know, and I'll like get comments like that. Like you're, you've been going, you've been on it for so long. Like you don't even have a million subscribers, whatever. And it's like, that's not really the point. It's more like I want to help people with what I needed help with and like what I wish I knew. And I want people to know how, like how accessible it is, you know, because I mean, a lot of people might like, if they can use social media to like pay off their debt or pay off their student loans, you know, like that's incredible. So I always want to try to kind of make it in like with a business mindset, even though it's not all about the numbers, it's not all about money. I still think that it, if you start taking it more seriously in like a business, it can help a lot of people out. And so I just wanted to help people with that, with like things that I always wanted to know. And I just love how accessible it is now, especially more than ever in 2021. Like I feel like majority of people can access social media. Yeah, for sure. And I think I personally have been going through interview processes and so many of the people that have interviewed me are impressed. I have podcasting on my resume and they're so impressed that I've like utilized that platform because they're like, that's such a huge like place to be. Like it just shows that, you know, I'm up with the times, I guess, so to speak, and can have those transferable skills. So definitely, yeah, I think taking social media a bit more seriously is not only accessible, but can actually help you in like many avenues of life that you don't necessarily think it could yeah it's not just about being an influencer like it's on it it's about like if you have a business using social media for your business if you you know like you said you're in podcasting and that opens up so many more doors and you have so many more skills it's just like getting in that the knowledge of like this is the future and so like having some if you want to not everyone has to but if you want to learn more about it I want to be able to like help you and share with you sure Um, So like you said, you've been on YouTube for 10 years now. So I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes throughout those 10 years. And I'm wondering if you think it's changed for the better or for the worse. And you can do YouTube and just like social media as a whole. Uh, That's actually a really good question because I think it's both. So there's certain aspects of it that I think has changed for the better. But there's definitely a lot of aspects that I think have changed for the worse. And I I don't know which one it's more of, you know? So I've I'll go with like the ones I the way I think that has changed for the worse is a lot of people I think are I I want to say so this might come across as wrong, but I feel like people have become more entitled on social media where it's like I am entitled to share my opinion, which everyone is, but it's like just because you have an opinion doesn't make it right. And a lot of people think that, like a lot of people think that their opinion is the right opinion and I'm going to post it out there and everyone needs to agree with me and everyone, you know, it's very like, like you can't, there's no disagreement on social media anymore. It's either like you're wrong or like, you know, like it's, it's, I feel like people are too entitled to their own opinion and like 
think that it's like 100% right and as a fact. Like opinions don't exist anymore. It's like all facts now. And so that to me has bothered me on social media. And I feel like I've seen that across, especially like TikTok and like ones where younger kids are, I've noticed that more. And I like honestly really scares me. I'm like, that's honestly terrifying that like this is like what people that are like 10 years old are growing up with. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe we were like that when we were younger too. And I'm just like old now and like looking back. So who knows? But that to me, I think it's a little bit for the worse. And like people have trouble with like disagreements, I guess. But – and also there's so much more hate. Like that's just 100%. Like with that comes more hate because if I don't like you, then you're a bad person. I'm going to hate on you and whatever. You know, so I think that that is has been like really bad. Like I know a lot of YouTubers and a lot of influencers in general have just experienced more hate like this year than in any years before. And it just gets worse every single year. And it's not even about like, oh, well, you're growing so you'll get more hate. It's just like I think people are taking out – taking like their – they're now not like afraid to tell you how they feel because they can hide behind a fake account, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like that sort of thing has gotten a lot worse. And it it's scary because like for people who are younger that are more impressionable, words hurt, you know? So like if you are 15 years old and you're on the internet and all of a sudden you get a bunch of hate comments, like how that is going to impact you growing up or like in these like formative years, like I don't know, you know? Like I'm so thankful that I wasn't like that when I was growing up. So I think that's how it's been for the worse. It's just like the amount of hate comments and the like, I guess, like tension on social media. Um, but as for for the better, I think it's great because now more people have a voice, more people have a platform, more people, you know, like you can have a voice and you can make more of a difference. It's not only now, like before it was just people that were on TV, people were on the radio, people that had talk shows, you know, celebrities. It was people that had to go th- – Like they had to be accepted into this world and now anyone can do that and anyone can have their voice and anyone can share their voice. So I think that's really cool because now we are hearing voices that we haven't heard before and they are being able to like be shared across platforms. You know, it's free. It's anyone can do it. So I think that is by far the best aspect of it. And, you know, I think it's really cool how so many people now are able to just share, you know. Um, and then it's, it's brought a lot of people together. Obviously it's made the world smaller. It's made people more aware of what's going on in the world. It's made people more aware of other people's situations. Cause before, at least when I was growing up, I really was only like aware of like my surroundings. Like it was like what my friends, what my family was, was going through, like my neighborhood, my circle, my city, whatever. But like what was going on in another part of the world or another set of people I might not have, I, yeah, maybe I see it on TV, but like, I don't really know, you know? And so now with everyone sharing everything and being able to share their story, I think people are more aware and it's making people more educated, more informed. They're having more empathy, you know? So all of that I think is great with social media, but that's just like that, that to me is like amazing that that's happening. Um, and it's made the world smaller, you know, people can talk to people across the world, which I think is so cool and hear different experiences. But yeah, so that's, it's like a double-edged sword because that part is so great. And then the other part is so bad. So it's whatever you make of it, I guess. Like if you have like thick skin and like don't let the stuff affect you, then that's awesome. But it's just scary that like so many people are so impressionable and now they're getting all of that like hate when they're like 12 years old, you know, like it can be kind of hard. Yeah, totally. And I can't even imagine like being on YouTube for as long as you have been. And I know I I try to think of like who else was on YouTube 10 years ago and like all who comes to mind is like Juicy Star 07. Like there were like so few like OG YouTubers. Um, and now it's so accessible. And there's so many people who vlog. Um, and there's so many people who make content. 
So it is crazy just how much it's grown and I'm sure will continue to grow. Um, So kind of on that note, what would be your biggest piece of advice for listeners who are trying to grow on social media, maybe like starting from a following of zero right now, what would you tell them would be their best uh, avenue to seek growth? Yeah. So assuming you've already started, because before the other piece of advice would be like to start it, (laughs) just Mm -hmm. definitely get on it. But assuming it's already started, I would say the typical be consistent, post frequently, but honestly create that like fault, like cultivate a following that is very engaged and loyal by being like reaching out to the ones you have already. Even if you have five followers, like reach out to them and get to know them, you know, already like care about them, you know, like, cause then it's like, you shouldn't only care about having like a million or having a hundred thousand or whatever. Like you should care about any person that supports you. And so it's even easier to care for them when, when it is a smaller number. So cultivate that loyal following, get to know them, but also stick through it even when it's slow. People see instant success and think that that's normal and that's not normal. Like Charlie D'Amelio is not normal. Good (laughs) for her. Amazing. No, like, like I think she's doing great, but like that's probably not going to happen to you. Or like all of these huge YouTubers that blew up in a year or a day or whatever, like amazing on them. And I hope that it happens to you, but like it probably won't. And so like even when things are slow – keep posting, keep doing it, pivot. If you notice something's not working, try something else, you know, or like ask for feedback from that audience that you have, like really get to know what they want, what they don't like, what they like, you know? So I think that it's just like, even when things are not looking up, I guess, continue to do it and like get feedback and just like cultivate that loyal audience that even if it's only like five people in the beginning. Because everyone starts at zero. It will be five people in the beginning. Literally everyone starts at zero. So, Yeah, I think – I don't want to speak for Anya, but I think one of our favorite things is that we have fostered this, like, little community through creating the podcast. And it's really nice to, like, have easy access to talking to them about what they like about the show and our Instagram and how we can pivot it and make it more valuable to them. And I think because of that, we've seen growth and like built up an authenticity that is a bit harder to do when you're dealing with a giant pool of people. Cause like you said earlier, you're just never going to please everyone. So when you start small, it's easier to work up from there. Um, but I think that was really great advice. And again, you just give so many great tools and resources for people who are starting from zero, like we were and yeah, but kind of shifting away from social media, uh, we want to talk a little bit about you buying a house because this is kind of your most recent project. So we know that you're documenting sort of the whole renovation process of this house that you bought in Charlotte, but we're curious, what is the plan once it's renovated? Is it a home for you to have in Charlotte? Are you going to sell it, rent it? What's kind of the long-term goal? Yeah. Oh, I've gotten this question so much. And like, I honestly, I don't answer on YouTube because I'm like, I don't know. Like, I honestly can tell you, like, I don't know. Because I remember telling – so when I moved away from New York, I was like, in January, I'll be back in New York City. Like, it'll be fine. Because in my head, the pandemic would be over in January. You know, I was just thinking 2021, okay, it'll be fine. You know, (laughs) maybe, like, it'll get better. Hasn't gotten better. So – and now people are like, oh, well, like, you said that you were going to move back to New York soon. And I'm like, I mean, I want to, but, like, there's no – I'm not going to move back there when things are still like this. Like, it's just, like, not smart. And so – I've been like, should like, do I tell people what my plans are for the house? Because I'm like, what if they change? And then people are like, oh, well, you said this one thing. So my plan as of now, I am planning on selling the house afterwards. Like I am building it or renovating it 
in the mindset of this is going to sell. Like, so that's why I'm like thinking about what potential buyers will like. Regardless if I was renovating a house for myself or one to sell, I would always think that way though, because I would always view just a piece of property as an investment. Whether you live in it for 10 years or not, like eventually you'll probably sell it. Um, so I would always look at it with that mindset, but I think I will be planning on selling it because I don't know if I want to live in a house by myself. It just kind of like scares me, like living in a ha- big house all alone and then also having to furnish the whole thing. I'm like, that's going to be so expensive to buy furniture for like multiple bedrooms, living room, bath. You know, I'm like, do I want to do that? Like I, the house is going to be gorgeous, but like do I – and then I have to buy a car. I'm like, do I want to buy a car? Like that's just – especially if I'm like still wanting to move back to New York in the future. So – as of now, I think I'll probably sell it, um, but I'm not 100% sure because, like, I might, like, see it at the end and be like, oh, my God, I want to, like, maybe this pandemic will probably go on for another year. So, like, whatever, I'll live in here, live here for now, you know. So it's it's up in the air, but that's probably what I'm going to do with it. I might live in it, but I know for sure 100% I'm not renting it out. Like, it won't be a rental property. So it's either sell or live in it, and I'm more on the sell side right now. Gotcha. Yeah. It's so tough to plan anything right now. And I imagine like being online, it's even harder because it's like you don't want to commit to something and then have your followers have all these expectations. And it's like, come on, nobody can really make plans. Um, Yeah. I feel like I personally view you as like a super financially literate person, which I really admire because that's something that I'm trying to work on this year. I feel like you just know so much when it comes to finances. And obviously, you've made such a smart decision when it comes to buying an investment property so young. So can you talk about that a little bit and why you made it a priority to buy property at this stage in your life and kind of what went into that decision? Yeah. So I wanted to buy something. So eventually I want to buy also property to rent. Like I would like to have like rentals as well as an investment, but I just saw this house and was like, this would be such a fun house to flip and like I could make a profit off of it. So it could be an investment. Um, but for me, I grew up again, a lot comes from like my family, honestly, with like their mindset on things. And like, we were always very open about things, you know, like with going into my major, I was like, okay, I want to do that because my parents did that, you know? And so with this, my parents are in the housing industry, so they have real estate investments, you know, and they have, you know, my parent, like they're in the building houses industry. So that's kind of in my head, I've always thought like, oh, that's the way to invest. Like they don't invest in the stock market at all. So for me to learn about stocks, it was like so foreign and so new because growing up, I've never heard my parents talk about the stock market once. So I was like, I don't even know what this is. Like, what is a stock? Like, I don't even, I don't understand. Um, So to me, that's always just been in the back of my mind to like invest in real estate, especially when I, once, once I had like enough money for a house, I was like, I would like to do this. But I've also been on my own with like learning about other, like, you know, like the stock market, because I also invest in the stock market and stuff and like learning all about that. That to me has been really difficult. So honestly, I've just been asking so many questions to people that know more than me. Like I've just, I've asked my boyfriend, I've asked friends of mine, my old roommate was really into it. So I would ask her questions, you know, so I've just been trying to learn as much as possible from the people that know better than me. And like, I feel like that's like the best way to go in like any situation. Like, when it came to the housing industry, I would ask my parents, like, what does this mean? You know, when it came, like, when we were doing the closing and, like, I, I had to see, like, everything that I had to pay for, I was like, I don't know what this is. Can you explain this? Or, like, how does this process work? You know, so I think it's really scary at first because I, I never want to come across as, like, oh, I know everything in the, the world of whatever that I'm doing or talking about. 
because mm-hmm. I had so many questions in the beginning. Like even when I was planning on buying a house, I knew absolutely nothing about buying a house. I had to learn all of this. And so now I'm like making videos on it because I'm like in the middle of learning it. And I think other people probably have the same questions I did. But I think the number one thing you can do is just ask people who know more than you things. And like, don't be scared to ask people. Like ask if someone has bought a house recently, just ask them any questions they have. Or, you know, like look up YouTube videos or things like that because that's how I've kind of done it um, or how I did it. But yeah, I think it's just really just asking the people around you any questions that they might know. And if you don't know anyone, then go to YouTube and <laughs> try to find the answers there. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, especially with YouTube and just the internet in general, like you literally have the answer to any question you have at your fingertips, especially if you don't know someone who may know a bit more than you. But what inspired you to embark on sort of a bigger renovation process and buying into a fixer upper, so to speak, rather than buying something that was a bit more ready to go? Yeah, so I wanted it to be an investment, like I wanted to make money off of it. So that's why I did a fixer upper because the Charlotte market right now, like if a house has already been renovated, whoever is selling it is making the money off of it. Like you're probably not going to make that much money off of it if you buy a house and then try to sell it eventually. You know, like maybe if the market goes up, you live in it for two years and then you'll make a profit. But right now the Charlotte market where I'm looking is like so insane because everyone is moving to North Carolina, I feel like. Um, So that's why I knew like I couldn't buy a ready house because I want I wouldn't have made any money off of it so whoever flipped it would have made the money so that's why I was I had to find a house that was like a fixer-upper so I could sell it for a lot more so or not a lot more but you know put money into it and then sell it for more so that was the goal because if if I just bought like this house and then tried selling it without doing anything to it like I wouldn't really make any money I'd lose money because of all like the fees and everything when you're selling a house but that's why I was like, okay, if I put this amount of money into the renovation, I could sell it for this much more. So that that was why I did a fixer-upper because I wanted to make a profit off of it. That was always like the goal of buying this house. Yeah, that makes total sense. And obviously good bones are all that matters when it comes to buying property. And it's cool because now your followers get to follow along on this journey. And it's something I've always been curious about. So selfishly, I'm curious to ask, what would you say your like design aesthetic for this house is? I know that uh, your sister Chloe has been helping a lot, but we're curious what look you're going for in general since you want it to be like marketable to lots of different types of people and stuff. Yeah. So at first I was like, oh, I want to make like a modern house. And then I just started thinking more and like Chloe also was helping me with it. And like my mom was helping me with it. And she was like, I don't think this house would do well being super modern. Like it's an old house and like, it's not gonna, it's gonna look weird if it's this like really old, like brick outside home. And then all of a sudden it's like super modern on the inside. So we're making it more like contemporary. Um, it's very, it's like still a little bit modern, like a little like bigger windows and like more light coming in and stuff like that, but not like super modern. So it's just going to be very contemporary, I guess I would say like with the times, um, I, I don't know like the exact style, I guess, but it'll be very like neutral so that it could sell to like a lot of people, you know, and like we want things that looked more different than like the average like track home or whatever, you know, like we didn't mm-hmm. want, we looked at a lot of the renovated houses in that neighborhood already and we didn't really like any of them. So we're like, we want to make it like way different than these. And I think that it would sell because it is so different, but still like not super modern where it like is not cozy or homey or anything like that. Yeah. Nobody wants a McMansion or one yeah. of those like very obviously like retrofitted um, 
trying to be modern houses. I know right. what you mean. <laughs> right, right. Because then it, it looked actually like like doesn't look good. You know, it's like doesn't even look modern. It just like looks like cheaply done, even though it's supposed mm-hmm. to look expensive. It's like one of those like where it's like it just looks like you're trying to look expensive, but like it's not. So we want to make it like very just contemporary and like fit with the style of the house already, but obviously in 2021. So since this is your first time kind of working on a fixer upper, what do you think is the biggest thing you've learned in the process so far? Um, honestly, I feel like I just learned of how much like, honestly, how quick it is, first of all, when uh, they were like, oh, yeah, we're starting this week and like already tore down everything in literally a day. I was like, oh, my gosh, I thought this would take like so long to build. Like, it just like amazes me at how like quick things are, like how fast things happen. Um, So that's just the one thing I learned is like things happen so fast. Like this doesn't have to take that long. Hopefully it's done in, in like April. The goal is for it to be done in like April, you know? So like having that be the timeline of like completely renovating this entire house. I'm like, that's insane. Um, That's probably the biggest thing that I learned. We haven't had that many mess ups yet because it's so early on. So ask me in a few months and I'll probably (laughs) have a different answer. But for now, the biggest thing is just like how quick it is and also how hands-on it is because my mom and my sister really are honestly the ones like designing it. If I'm being honest, like I said, this is like, what they do you know like this is just like they've done this before they know like it's everything you have to think about like what um you know like obviously like colors and everything like that but like light fixtures oh like hardware on the doors what type of like things in the bathroom the toilet paper holders in the bathroom the light switches like where do you even want the light switches to be like how high do you want them how you know like all of these things that I'm just like I would just never think about you know or like how big do you want the wood planks on the floor to be what you know all of these things I'm just like I don't know so they're they've been helping me so much because they have done this before so it's like they kind of know the steps to take in this so I've been really relying on them um and so many people are like are is your family like invested in the house too because they're like so involved I'm like no we just like they just like really want to help me out with it like it's like one of those things where like Chloe is not like financially invested at all like I'm paying her just because I'm like feel bad that she's like doing all this work for nothing but she was planning on doing it for free anyway so it was like one of those things where it's like she just loves doing this and this is something she wants to do in the future so it's a good experience for her but yeah I'm just really relying on people that like know better than me honestly that is crazy on the timeline I would have not have guessed that it would be ready uh that quickly I I always assume that like when you take on a big renovation it's like a year-long commitment so that is wild um and Good for them being so productive. Um, Yeah. uh, We were curious what kind of house renovation content can people expect from you in the coming weeks? Are there any sneak peeks you can uh, give our listeners? Uh, So right now they're doing the electrical and plumbing. And so it's like not anything I can really like film, you know, like, yeah, yeah, it's like I I haven't even like gone to see it in like two weeks because it's just like boring stuff like that. Um, So I guess the main content though, you're going to see like once like the walls come in, once the floor comes in, you know, it's just those like little pieces coming together and like the windows, and, like the outside. I really, I heard a, um, a person that is helping me film and he's going to come in like once they're doing more stuff to kind of make it that like HGTV type mm-hmm. of series. So I'll still be vlogging, but I really want to have those like more professional type videos so he can kind of put together the entire process and you can really see it go up because I want to film like the entire process. Like Obviously, the electrical and plumbing is not anything, like, fun that I could film. But once more, like, fun stuff, like, the design aspect comes in, picking out things, you know, for the house. 
I think it'll be really cool to film. So I want to make it very like HGTV-like, I guess. Nice. I'm excited to hear that. Anya and I are big HGTV fans, so we've been loving this series, and we're definitely excited to see how it turns out in the end. But that was kind of all the substantive questions we had for you. We definitely covered a lot of ground. I feel like we went over a bunch of topics over this past hour or so, but I'm curious if you have one thing you want our listeners to take away from this episode. Um, I guess one of the biggest things I feel like, especially is that common, that's common at the end of this episode is like ask people that know more than you and or like just like don't be afraid to ask questions because I think a lot of people are scared or they think like oh well I'm not good at this and like she's so good at this like I'm I wish I was as good as like she was at this thing you know or like I wish I knew as much as she did and it's like chances are the person that you think knows more than you probably only recently learned or like they at one point didn't know anything so it's just no one's like born with this like natural knowledge of all of these like adulting type of things. So it's really just like asking people, like asking people in your life, going on the internet to find those questions and answers, networking with people. You know, I think it's always just never, I guess like that saying, that's like never be the smartest person in the room or something like that. Like Mm -hmm. you just always want to be curious and like learn more and like don't ever let like you like thinking that you don't know something stop you from like asking. Cause like it's just, that's the way that, people learn things, I guess. I I feel like I'm like so poorly worded, but you know, you know what I'm saying? I'm like not a person that's like, you're going to get like great quotes from, but hopefully the whole message is good. (laughs) No, I I love that advice. And uh, something that we emphasize on the show a lot is that just because you're out of college doesn't mean that you stop learning. So I think that goes along with that sentiment really well. Um, And before we wrap it up with our little game of this or that, where can people find you online if they don't currently follow you? Yeah, you can find me at Natalie Barbu um, and just look up my name across all social media platforms and you'll find me. And then my agency is We Bloom Social. So it's just We Bloom as one word and then social as another word. And you can find that on Instagram and WeBloomSocial.com. Awesome. Nice. So I think it's time for our favorite part of our guest episodes, which is our little game of this or that. So Kylie, do you want to kick us off with the first question? I sure do. So the first one is Instagram or YouTube? Uh, YouTube. How come? I like the like authenticity more on there. Mm. I feel like Instagram, honestly, for me, even though editing a YouTube video is hard and or not hard, but time consuming for me, like Instagram is like, I hate taking Instagram pictures. And like, I feel like I feel like I have to look more perfect on Instagram. And then like I have to ha- put have makeup on I have to have a cute outfit YouTube, I will film a whole week in my life looking like garbage and like be like perfect (laughs) and just like (laughs) upload it so I like YouTube's like just like realness way more Mm. yeah I definitely see what you mean um the next one is cardio or strength training strength training definitely I hate cardio I just got a peloton and I really like the peloton but um I definitely am way more of a strength training type of person I also just got a peloton and I'm pretty addicted to it I think give it like a month and you're it, people joke that it's like a cult to be a part of like the Peloton community, and I bet you'll be addicted because I also don't like cardio, but I <laughs> love riding the Peloton. Yeah, I do. I definitely incorporate it in most in a lot of workouts, but it's not something I can do every single day. It's one of those things yeah. where like I'm glad I have it there for like the convenience of it, and I do it like twice a week or something, or once once one to two times a week. And so um, I really like that, but like I will never like run outside. Like you will never see me like running outside. Like I'm <laughs> no. not that type of person. <laughs> no, me neither. Yeah, feel that. Um, renting or buying? 
Oh, um, I guess it depends. Right now in this stage of my life, buying. But like if I move back to New York, I definitely would not buy. I would rent, you know? So like it just I think depends on your situation, the city you're in, your finances, all of that. I think there's no shame in either. I think it's so great to hear you say that because I think sometimes if you're ever into the like real estate world, it can almost feel like you get shamed for renting because there's that whole messaging of like you're throwing your money away every month. But like sometimes it's what's right for you in that stage of life and sometimes it's just what makes more sense. So I'm glad that you acknowledge that. Totally. Um, The next one is be able to see into your future or be able to change your past. Oh, um probably change the past because I something I have regrets or anything but I don't think if I had the power to look into my future I would and I wouldn't want to you know I just wouldn't have self-control mm-hmm. to like not so I would probably just have the ability to change the past because I don't want to know what it's like in the future I feel like it like you would live so I don't know like if you knew like when you die or you knew who you marry or you knew who you know all of these things it'd be like what's the point of living now like it, it would just change so much of your mindset now so I would mm-hmm. definitely change the past rather than see the future yeah that's a good way of putting it Anya and I were talking about this one before the episode and I said see the future because I kind of was on that like no regret uh mentality and was like well everything that I've been through got me to where I am now and I wouldn't want to change it but I didn't think about the fact that it kind of take when you see into the future it takes away from like how you live in the present moment so that's a mm-hmm. that's good insight yeah You'd probably be like changing every little behavior to either yeah. like satisfy that future or like change it if you didn't want it. So yeah. I, I imagine the overthinking would be real. Or you'd be like <laughs> depressed. Like if you didn't like something that like you're yeah. like, wait, I'm doing what? And then like maybe in the future you're super happy, but like you wouldn't know that, you know? So it's just like mm-hmm. I would not want to know that. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is Charlotte or NYC. I love New York City. So I think, I mean, definitely New York City for like, what city has my heart. Um, Right now, I think it's just the smartest decision to be in Charlotte for me. And I'm very glad I'm here. I don't regret being here. And I think I am so thankful that I moved back home. Like it's one of those things where I'm like, in the moment, it was such a hard decision. And I was so unhappy. But now I'm so happy being here. So I'm very happy with what stage in life I'm in now. But like, I still like love New York City so much and like so much more than Charlotte. So Uh, I would still say New York City. Yeah, that's kind of what I expected you to say. Like, obviously, you've had all these great opportunities as a result of being back in Charlotte, but um, you do just seem like a New York City gal. So that yeah, I miss it like every single day. It's like you literally miss it like a person. I feel like it's like you're like missing like your boyfriend or something. Like (laughs) that's how I feel about it. Well, I think that wraps up everything we have for this episode. So I just want to say thank you so much to Natalie again for being a guest on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. This was so much fun. I love the like this or that's part. It's really fun. Oh, fun. Yeah, we we have a lot of fun with it. It's hard to come up with questions sometimes because we've done so many now, but we like to tailor them to the person. So maybe you noticed that a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll have everything linked down below um, so you guys can find Natalie on all of her different social media accounts. Give her a follow if you're not already. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. For those of you that want to follow along on our journey, we post episodes every Tuesday and you can follow us on Instagram at two degrees hotter. And I think that's everything for us. Yeah. We will talk to you guys next Tuesday. Yes. Bye guys. Bye.